Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. Hey, we are David and Tracy Sellers. And we have made Vows to Keep. Tracy, according to scripture, God instituted marriage as the pinnacle of creation. Listen to this. On the sixth day in the creation story, this is found in Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. God tells us this. It says, God created man in his image. And that is really a powerful statement. Yeah, the verse goes on. It says, in the divine image, he created them male and female. And then it again repeats, he created them. God blessed them saying, be fertile and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, those are some orders I think we could handle. I think we can do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in a more descriptive part of the story that we find in Genesis 2.18, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a suitable partner. I was once without a wife. I can relate to what that feels like. So this suitable helpmate was formed from the very rib of man. And thus, woman was flesh of his flesh. Yeah, you can find that in Genesis 2, and 23. So you have this man, and you have this woman, and watch what happens next. In verse 24, it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now think about that. After God brought together the first man and woman, we find this beautiful expression of pure intimacy. In fact, it goes on to describe them as both naked and they felt no shame. In other words, they had nothing to hide physically. They had nothing to hide emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. What a marriage to aspire to. Yeah, they're not embarrassed or ashamed in each other's presence. We see this in Genesis 2.25. So before sin comes into the world, it was intriguingly different than it is today. Consider this. People were unashamed. They were naked. And this is how God created marriage in the very beginning. Being naked and unashamed is a very significant statement about sexuality for us as humans. Scripture teaches that marriage is not just a mere human institution, but something that God established from the foundation of the world. It's more naked in the garden than anything Hugh Hefner could have thought of. And God was not blushing. So the title for this series is Exposing Satan's Sex Education. Now, given the nature of this topic, it may be something that you want to listen to without young people in earshot. Now, we've called this series Exposing Satan's Sex Education because For so long, I myself didn't understand the way that Satan had twisted the way I was viewing sex, and I began to realize I'm not alone. Now, sure, I could see how Satan was trying to amp up sexual sins in this world, but I hope today that we help you see past that to a bigger problem as we now understand it. You see, Satan has been trying to educate the world about sex and specifically even making lies about God's view of sex. He's been lying to unbelievers for generations. And the worst part is that in some ways, we as Christians, we're helping to substantiate his claims. Satan has been trying to educate the world with the lies that sex outside of marriage is fulfilling. That sexual sin is not only okay, it's actually preferred. We're going to take some time today to go back to the Garden of Eden. Let's do that right now where 
God describes Adam and Eve as naked and unashamed. It's a little bit like everyone having the American flag publicly displayed. What do I mean by that? Well, we light it up at night. It's honored. It's something we have no hesitation being displayed and associated with ourselves as Americans. In fact, we're proud of it. No fellow American would ask you to take down your flag. So Adam and Eve, they're having fun together. They're displaying their flag. They are unashamed of it. And they are clearly blessed by God. And then Genesis 3 happens. It goes like this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Ah, you certainly won't die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then here's what happened. The eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Isn't it interesting that Satan didn't just aim at dethroning God in Adam and Eve's life. His target was actually to destroy the gift of sex that God has given us as husband and wife. Destroying intimacy in your marriage is still Satan's game. And I knew it was Satan's game in modern day, but to be honest, this is something I've read in Genesis many times and never fully recognized. Think about this. This husband and wife were naked and unashamed, and suddenly after being tricked by Satan, the text says they sewed up fig leaves. This happened 6,000 years ago. Yeah, it's an interesting story, but is this still affecting you and I today? Absolutely. Why is it that we as Christian wives are the least likely to be verbally and publicly displaying our affections for our husbands? Why is it that pornography is accepted as a cheap substitute in our world? Why is it that wives take time primping in front of the mirror to tantalize their man in the dating years and then turn couldn't care less type of gal about looking sexy for their man after they've been married five, six, seven years? And on a related note, why is it that our kids growing up in Christian homes are more convinced than ever that sex outside of marriage is more exciting than sex inside marriage will ever be? Because Satan's sex education is hitting its mark in the eyes of our children. In Genesis 3-7, the first thing that Adam and Eve did after eating the fruit was to sow thick leaves and make coverings for themselves because they became aware of the fact that they were uncovered. They were bare. So began right there in that moment, a problem that you and I experience in our marriages today. Adam and Eve were effectively hiding from each other and trying to hide from God. Sin not only brought about a breakdown with God and that perfect relationship that had existed, but it also twisted the most sacred, intimate communion within that marriage relationship. Satan soiled for generations the blessings of sex and marriage, but he did not destroy it. Yeah, we don't want to sound all doom and gloom here. In fact, I want to remind us that as Christians, we are new creations in Christ. Marriage is also made new in Christ Jesus by the new covenant. What we see in Matthew 19 tells us that in the kingdom of God, the permanent union of a husband and wife that God originally intended can once more be realized. By the power of the Holy Spirit, husband and wife still can today truly love and honor one another. It's vital that we understand that God created us to be sexual within marriage. That was his design, and he did it with a purpose. He made marriage to allow us 
to talk about sex, to envision it, to enjoy it, to be generous with it. And it's vital as Christians that we acknowledge that sex was actually central to God's plan. Because remember, man and woman were created for one another. In Genesis 2.24, it says a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife. And the two of them become that one flesh. And this is why Satan's trick was such a low blow. Get this first main point. Satan uses shame as a tool against what God has actually created for our pleasure. Do you realize that God made sex for you? Go read Song of Solomon. It shows how the love of a man and a woman mirrors God's love for his people. God gave us the gift of sex, but he made it to be good only within marriage. Well, of course, the devil doesn't want anyone to feel bad about sexual sin. In fact, he works overtime to convince us it's better out there than it could ever be within marriage. Ask any guy driving by a strip club if he's curious about what's going on in there. I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but men are curious because Satan's sex ed includes perversions which seem to hit a chord with men who are weak and hungry sexually. God uses conviction for when we have committed sexual sins. It's not a popular message anymore, though. So sometimes we do the wrong thing. We sin by having sex before we are married. We lust with abandon. Satan uses shame for our destruction, and God uses conviction for our protection. And we want to park just for a minute right here, because sin is really whatever we do that's in opposition to the kind of good character that God has called us for. So Satan's tools are shame. Condemnation. Oppression. He also uses deception. The serpent's lie is that God is is keeping something from you. Meanwhile, Satan is actually taking something good away from you. Satan wants us as Christians to believe the lie that God's gift of sex and marriage isn't to proclaim his, meaning God's generosity in marriage. So here's Satan. He's destroying with shame. Satan wants us as Christians to feel ashamed of our sexuality when it's within our marriage, to really hide God's good gift. I see evidence of that all the time. But God made marriage, and he created us to be sexual together. And every guy who's listening to what you just said just said amen inside their head. (laughs) So let's not buy Satan's lies. This opens the door to more. If you have a marriage question, please email questions at vowstokeep.com. Vows to Keep will respond to you via email and perhaps use it on the air. Now let's rejoin Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Now we wouldn't be doing this subject justice today on Vows to Keep Radio if we didn't point out how God uses the convictions of the Holy Spirit to restore us when we are in sexual sin or have been in sexual sin. And that's very different from shame. Shame is an attack on who you are. The Holy Spirit's conviction is a restorative move toward who God made you to be. Romans 8 tells us that there is no longer condemnation for the Christian. So what stops you from having the kind of sex in your marriage that produces a brilliant overflow in the rest of your life? Can I implore you to no longer let Satan's shame enter your sex life? Because shame is just the beginning. Next comes fear. We see this in Genesis 3.8. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. And they hid from him among the trees. But the Lord called to them, hey, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I think we have to ask why Adam said he was afraid of being naked. I think it's because Satan's sex ed had somehow convinced Adam and Eve that being naked was actually a problem. He threw out this shame and he threw out this deception, these lies. 
Satan paints God as being unreasonable and, and actually convinced Adam and Eve that they needed this restriction in their lives of these clothes because God was outrageously against them. So here's Adam hiding from God because he was naked. I mean, seriously, God had seen him naked. God made him naked. So think about the last time you screwed up. Well, for me, I can remember not long ago trying to eat healthy, but having a bag (laughs) of Cheetos hidden in my office. Oh, it's a weak spot. So of course, what did I do? I hid the Cheetos, right? It wasn't about anything else in my life. I knew that that was the problem. And so I had hidden it away. And we have to put this in context because what we see is that Adam and Eve hide themselves. They hide parts of their sexual being. Why did they do it? Because Satan had convinced them that that was a problem before God. See, if I put myself in the Garden of Eden, in that situation, I think I would have been embarrassed by my disobedience about what God had said about the tree, right? He said, don't eat the fruit of this tree. But Satan makes Adam fearful over something God had already seen many times before. Something's just not lining up here for Adam. So why are we making a point of this? Catch this today. Satan's successful presentation of a lie made them afraid as if something was wrong with them sexually when really they had sinned in a different way and God would have so graciously granted forgiveness if they would have asked. So don't buy Satan's lies. This opens the door for more. Satan wants us as husbands to be ashamed and frustrated so that we don't express our sexual needs within marriage where God designed it to be. Satan wants to frustrate us, to tempt us, to look outside of our marriage for sexual fulfillment. Satan wants to ruin our testimony of a godly marriage to our kids. On top of that, Satan wants to ruin our testimony of God to our kids. So don't buy Satan's lies. This just opens the door for more. I had the honor to pray with a dad recently over his college-age daughter's purity. And his heart broke for her as he wrestled with how to approach this issue. The lie that she was wrestling with was sort of like the same one that President Clinton did back when the whole world was wondering about who Monica Lewinsky is and what they had done. What exactly is sex? That's the question. And I picture Satan asking this, just like he did to Adam and Eve. Has God really said that you can't have any sexual pleasure or just not intercourse? How similar that is to the lie that Satan first tempted Eve with. Has God really said you cannot eat from every tree in the garden? We got to speak with a group of teenagers not long ago, and we talked about Matthew 5, 28, which is where Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And as a pre-married young man, this verse felt like mission impossible to me and probably to a lot of my peers. And so I asked this class of teenagers to imagine if they could read this verse and have no fear. Why? Because a good God can actually give you a marriage where you can glorify him with your sexual intent for your wife. Satan's lie is wrong. He's saying, come on. I mean, really, you're going to save yourself for someone you haven't even met yet. In the meantime, there's beautiful girls still walking by. And what do you do with it in that moment in your mind? Is it based upon your belief that a generous God can give you a gift for a lifetime? Or will you buy the lie? that running the course in your mind is just fine. Will you wait for your wedding day? Because no longer do you have to worry about Satan's lies, about what's in or what's out. You will understand better than anyone else. We'll say it again. Don't buy Satan's lies even on this side of marriage because it always opens the door to more. Many of us know exactly what God would define sex is and what he would define sex is not, but we want sex today outside of marriage in spite of 
the devastation it's going to bring on tomorrow because we're still believing the lie from Satan that we're missing out on something. Yeah, I can picture Satan saying, has God really said that you can't have sex? And the teenager saying, well, no, but he did say it was reserved for a man and a wife who are married. And here's Satan. It's not just for married couples. Surely God is trying to withhold from you. What are you, a prude? There's not any risk. I mean, this is someone you love. Plus, we've got birth control. What if you marry this person and you've never tried it? You're, you might be sexually incompatible. Besides, we're talking about two consenting people. This isn't hurting anyone. 100% lies. We counsel couples with vows to keep marriage ministries who struggle with sexual sin in their marriage today because before marriage, they believe they could successfully gamble their sexual future with someone they were not married to because, quote unquote, they were in love. Some are even convinced it's okay because God knows where we're going. He knows we're going to get married someday, so it's probably fine. And then three to five short years later, they're asking the question about their spouse that they should have been asking about their pre-marriage lover. Can I really trust this person to be God-honoring? Are they willing to jeopardize me for their own selfish gain? Will selfish seasons make them susceptible to bending the principles that they now claim? Don't be fooled. If you're not married yet, anyone pressuring for sex outside of marriage is asking for something which is not theirs to have, and that's called fraud. Christ-like love is defined by a selfless kind of giving, not a pressure for taking. A thief would take what's not theirs. It's not a covenant, so they don't care. Fraud like this will affect your sex life and marriage as you wonder if your spouse is capable of being committed when temptation is high. You see, honoring someone with your body before marriage builds confidence of that honor once you're in marriage. Being promiscuous before marriage, well, that creates a suspicion after you're married. It's like knowing that someone is a liar. They just haven't lied to you yet. Satan lies to us. God's desire is for sex only inside of marriage. And it's for our good, for our credibility over the long haul within our marriage. Another way that Satan's lies twist and mess with sex inside of marriage by having sex outside of marriage is that it builds a cumulative standard. You see, adultery is any time that we have had sex outside of marriage. And most of us wrongly believe that that means having sex before marriage is not adultery. And I would contend it's actually adultery against someone you just haven't met yet. One man described it this way. He said, you know, I've had a lot of partners before marriage. It was actually something that I would brag about in my younger years. And in each of those situations, there were certain aspects which became very memorable, kind of convincing me at that time that I was living the high life. You know, one woman would do it this way. One woman would do that. And over the course of many different women, there was a highlight reel that was built up in my mind. And now today as a married man, he said, I realize I've set my wife up to be compared to this highlight reel of all these people. I've set up for failure. And I had to literally stop and recognize what that was doing to her in my marriage. You see, generations of media have been promoting this concept that sex outside of marriage is rewarding, it's exciting, and sex within marriage is cold, not even happening at all. We see movies and TV shows, I'm sure you do too, that feature a married couple not getting any and a freewheeling single person hooking up with someone else and having fun. Meanwhile, we forget who's really doing the talking in these programs. These actors are just pawns in a game. Satan is the one selling his lies in that show. The actors are acting. They get paid to make it 
look really good to you. How many Hollywood marriages do you know today that are making it? Funny thing is, we see all of the failures, but we don't connect the dots. Having sex God's way is fulfilling and it works. Satan's not for our pleasure. He's against it. Think about that for a minute. That's not all. We counsel marriages who are otherwise healed from past sexual sins. And they've sought forgiveness from God and their spouse, but they are still today deeply and daily affected by things like step-parent tensions for kids that have been had in sexual relationships, which weren't God-honoring. Generations are on the line. If you're willing to have sex with someone outside of marriage, is that really the kind of person you want to be sharing kids with for years to come? And kids raised in split situations like this, well, they're a lot more likely to have premarital sex themselves because it's rare that you're going to have these two people who are now split parenting having a unified message of biblical truth from both parents. True God-honoring love waits for the covenant kind of relationship that marriage creates. Satan sells that love is a feeling which is worth risking your future on. And God shows love is an action that starts with a covenant and it's followed with great sexual fulfillment. As we wrap up today's broadcast, I want to address how all of this gets started. Because Satan plays the same game he did with Eve. He plays it with us today. Isolation. Remember that in the garden? Eve was alone and Satan's lies ambushed her. Adam was probably nearby, but notice how she offers the forbidden fruit to him after she's already been deceived. Yeah, he wasn't there in the first scene because otherwise I think we would have seen Satan interacting with Adam as well. Isolation is still Satan's starting place today. So maybe if you're being honest in your own heart, you're tempted by porn. Maybe if you're being honest with your spouse, you're smack dab in the middle of a sexual sin. What will you do with it? You see, God offers you the ability to repent. And if you're married, God offers you the strength of an accountability partner inside your marriage. And maybe you're thinking, David, why would I ever tell my spouse I'm tempted by someone at work? Why would I ever tell my spouse I've been viewing pornography? Let me expose Satan's sex education. These are the exact lies that Satan wants to be ruling you. They drive you to isolation. Now you might get some backlash, but what if you got God honoring support? Confessing our sins is part of the sanctification process. It helps us as Christians in dealing with our sins and actually healing, moving forward. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. This confession is all about offering help to someone who is weak. It's not about kicking someone who is down, but your sins can and often will have consequences. Don't be naive about that. But unity is God's end game. God requests generosity from us for our spouse when they come to us in confession. Confession of our sins helps our spouse know where they can be more attentive, both in watching, but especially in giving. Well, this is where we need to end today's show, but join us next week as we continue the conversation about exposing Satan's sex education. 
we're going to be debunking more of the myths that Satan has tried to educate, really misinform us about sex. Next week, we're also going to be looking at how there is hope for those who have chosen their own way. They've chosen to believe Satan's lies, and now they're looking to have a successful marriage. We'll look at how a good God gave a great gift for our pleasure next week, right here on Vows to Keep Radio. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.